Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing and our final horror month episode. And we are wrapping things up talking about some of our favorite haunted places or maybe stories about haunted places. Not sure. It's going to be a very relaxed, laid back episode. And I have one of my sexy ladies with me, Tiff. And so I am looking forward to this. And like I said, this is going to be so relaxed and laid back. And we're going to first start with, you know, I'm going to ask Tiff a question in just a second, but then we're just going to go back and forth and name a few of our favorite haunted places, maybe give some history. Maybe if we have personal stories, we can share those as well. And if you have any haunted places out there that you would like to mention, please DM us, um, put them in the comments when we post on social media and maybe when um when we come back in november because i do have an announcement we're gonna you know episodes are gonna be different for the next couple of weeks then um you know maybe i'll give you a shout out during my kickoff of my birthday month because that's what next month is is my birthday month but before we get to all of that we're gonna first start out tiff i want to know so we're talking about haunted places here so my first question before we even get to those is do you believe in ghosts? So I have a very, I straddle the line at times. Um, I would say like I'm on the 85% do not believe in ghosts, but 15% of me feels that there are some energy things out there that our human physical minds don't understand. So I do think that there that that there could be like residual things that are left over that we can't that our minds can't necessarily make here nor thereof. So I don't know <laughs> if I actually do <laughs> because you know I mean and I I used to really watch I used to be into those shows you know. Um, those shows that we know about uh, that cover that sort of thing that uh, look for energy fields in certain areas. And, you know, I don't want to say what the words are because then I'll end up saying what the show is, but yeah. y'all can just, y'all can pick up what I'm laying down. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, I used to watch that stuff like all the time. And I'm like, 
this I feel like it's just generated for, you know, for the heightened emotion of television and stuff like that. It's a lot of flash and sizzle and stuff like that. But then you get these you get these feelings. Um, like when you actually go someplace and you get these like this feeling of like somebody is either you've got eyes on you, you turn around, nobody's there, or you feel like something is pressing on you. And that could be like just the energy, this builds up energy of everybody else is like anxiousness and anxieties and worries and things like that. Maybe that's what that is. And maybe that's what we're feeling. And we just don't know it. We just don't have a way to quantify it. So I am like, seriously, I would say 85% non-believer, but 15% of me is like X5. Oh, 15% of me is like, yes, I want to believe. <laughs> I didn't say it. <laughs> uh, so yes, I do believe in ghosts because I have had personal experiences since I was five. Do I think that a lot of the stuff people talk about and a lot of like people like the Warrens, for instance, talked about and all of that stuff? Do I think that's all real? No, I think there are a lot of charlatans. In fact, I think there are more people that are trying to make stuff up, take advantage than there are actual real hauntings and real ghosts out there. And so even though I believe, I think it's because I do believe and I've had my own experiences that it actually has made me so skeptical. I'm one of the biggest skeptics out there. Uh, I went to one of these places we're going to talk, I'm going to mention, and it's supposed to be the most, one of the most haunted roads in America. And it was nothing. So, and I am someone that because I've had so many experiences, I can go into a place, I've learned how to sort of shut it off, but I can go somewhere and feel that energy, that energy that you're talking about, Tiff, and I can feel it and I'm very sensitive to it and always have been and didn't feel it at this place at all. Uh, the two other places I'm going to mention, I did. Um, and, you know, the the thing is, is that most of the stuff that most, most spirits and whatever you want to call it, in my experience, it's been very, there have been some negative experiences, but a lot of it is pretty positive. And I do think, while I believe in ghosts and spirits, I do think it's kind of like sometimes I think it's people's energy is left behind and you can sort of feel that energy. I do think sometimes if something tragic happened somewhere, there is an energy that's left behind from that tragedy, um, from that violence, stuff like that. Uh, but for the, but you know, I mean, it's like it, what gets me sometimes is I think sometimes people use this and they just play into the fear of it and the fear of the unknown and so automatically anything that's going to be haunted is going to be a negative thing, which leads me to believe that people, if you believe that, then you must believe that every single human being must be negative or something because you're talking about human beings for the most part. And like I said, I've had negative experiences. I'll talk about one of those. But for the most part, they've all been like just like kind of lost um, you know, there's a certain movie that got it very accurate, what it feels like. Um, I've spoken before that the novel Odd Thomas is very ac accurate to what it's like um, having those encounters. So I do believe, but I'm very, very skeptical. And I think there are so many people that take advantage of people just like, 
I don't really believe in, I don't believe, I believe there are people that probably have psychic abilities, but I don't believe that the people that are out there proclaiming and taking money, I don't believe that most of them have psychic abilities. I think they are taking advantage of people. So I think this is a area where it's very easy for people to take advantage of people, sadly. So I didn't mean to get all heavy and stuff, but, <laughs> but it just always pisses me off because, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it just pisses me off probably because I've had so many experiences, but I'm even skeptical of my own experiences. So that's just the way my, my Sagittarius brain works. I think that's what it is. <laughs> but we're going to start talking about some of those places. So Tiff, what is the very first one that you are going to talk about? Let's go up north, Northern California. Let's talk about The Rock Alcatraz. Now, if you take the tour, which I did when I was, gosh, how old was I? I was probably like 12 or 13. Number one, um, you have to, it's very choppy. You can go over, I mean, and you can go over pretty much any time during any time of the year in the, the San Francisco. The bay is literally choppy when you go over on that boat or on the ferry to get across to the island. That is literally the only way. There's no bridge to Alcatraz. There's a reason why they say it was inescapable. Um, but you go over and there's literal bird dew everywhere because it's just, it's like, it's a pelican island. It's, it's pelican island. It's, and I hate birds. So, you know, I was like, this is nightmare. <laughs> This is this is a nightmare right now. <laughs> like I was I was horrified just from that. I'm like, okay, I'm done. Tour's <laughs> over. Let's go back. <laughs> Let's go back to the mainland. <laughs> but <laughs> my mom was like, don't we pay for it? Let's go. <laughs> so, so you get the you can do your own like just walking tour where you just walk outside and around the property. Um, it's, it's pretty, you know, it's a good walk. You could probably do it like in about maybe half an hour. You could kind of explore like the entirety of the outside of the building, maybe 45 minutes if you want to just like really be kind of thorough and detailed, but that's not what people go in there for. People go to the island for people go so they can see the inside of it. Now, Alcatraz is super old. It's super old and it's super gross. <laughs> to, to be perfectly frank, <laughs> it was. Um, let me see. I'm pulling it up right now, just to give you some idea. And this is from the National Park Service's website. Uh, it was titled "Island of Incarceration and Island of Freedom," uh, and that was based off when the um, oh gosh, the American Indian Movement aimed took back, reclaimed the island for the, uh, for native California tribes and, um, occupied it for like two, two years, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, and they, I mean, they made it livable and workable and, and all of that. So read up on that if you're interested, but it's cool. It was called the American Indian occupation. That's what that's called. But I'm trying to find when it was actually built because it's super duper old. While I'm saying that, you know, of course they had some famous people in there. Um, Whitey, Whitey, Bolger. yes, thank you. I was about, I was like Whitey Board, 
whitey <laughs> bullet, whitey <laughs> ballet. <laughs> Anyway, he made a stop in Alcatraz, um, you know, the infamous, uh, uh, infamous Boston gangster dude. Al Capone was a guest of Alcatraz, courtesy of not his murderous, you know, things that he did in, in Chicago, but he got, he got got because of tax evasion. That's how he finally got got. It was tax yeah. evasion. Folks, pay your taxes, okay? Because they will come for you. Uh, let's see. Okay, from begun in 1849, Alcatraz was originally intended to guard against foreign invasion of San Francisco, which had boomed during the gold rush. But from 1909 through 1911, military prisoners on Alcatraz built a new prison, which is designated the Pacific Branch U.S. Disciplinary Barracks for the Army. But then they, they rec- well, not reclaimed, but they moved it to a federal penitentiary after the fact. So it was, so it was a fortress, then it was a military prison, and then it was a federal penitentiary. And they closed it in 1960, blah, blah. So when you go in there, <clears throat> let's talk about it. You go in there and it is, like, number one, stinky. Birds everywhere. Bird do everywhere. So very mm-mm stinks think but they give you so they give you the um they you can do the tour with the guides they have there's two separate tours you can do the tour at least this was what my experience when i went this was years and years ago so you can do the tour with the guy where the guy walks you through and talks about it or you can do the walking tour on your own where they give you a set of headphones and they give you and the and the recording that tells you everything that you're going to see and in this recording, they also have like recreations of prison fights. Uh, they actually, I think they actually have recordings of actual prisoners' voices on there, which is exceptionally creepy. So you go, I ended up, I didn't wander off because you're walking, you know, you can like fast forward, you could fast forward and you could jump from different places. If somewhere, if like one area was too crowded, you could go to another area and on your, it wasn't a Walkman. It was probably some type of C, you know, CD player or something like that. So you could skip tracks to, to the next thing that you wanted to do. So I wandered away from another group because it was crowded. And I went over to a, a cell where somebody had, unfortunately, death by suicide. And it, I didn't see anything. I didn't see any shadow figures. I didn't see, you know, like nothing, no, no spots in my vision or anything like that. Nothing like that. But when we talked about that, like heavy feeling, like, you know, you're standing there and it's like, you can, you can hear every single thing. And when you have on headphones also, it's like, it's almost like, even though I'm listening to something on my, through the headphones, it's almost like sensory deprivation of sorts with, when it comes to at least the, the hearing portion of things, even though it, weirdly I've got something, I'm actually hearing something, so, but while I'm hearing something, I can still feel like I'm not hearing something. I don't know if that makes sense, no, but it, it but it, 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 that kind of creeped me out to be perfectly frank, that kind of creeped me out. 
And then the way they had that, the way they had the cells set up and everything, it caused like, I had prickles, you know, like my hands were started, my palms started sweating. I got like, um, you know, a little sweat on my brow and I felt like I was being watched. I felt like I was being watched and it wasn't just the people that were in the groups, you know, I mean, cause what are they looking at me for? They're not, they're looking, you know, in other directions and stuff like that. But I, I felt like that somebody was watching me or something was watching me. It was a very unsettling feeling. It was extremely unsettling. Alcatraz is one of those things. I mean, it's a cool tour. If you, you know, if you're, if you like history, or you just like doing like kind of weird stuff. It would be, I mean, it'd be kind of, it's a cool outing, you know, but like my daughter wants to go, the older one. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> no, I'm like, oh, <laughs> like from the, from the birds to the, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> having to go across the, uh, the, the very, very rocky, rocky waves and then the birds and the bird do and gosh, but. <laughs> We will, we will probably go sometime. I just, yeah, we'll probably go sometime. But that was, yeah, Alcatraz was uh, definitely up there for me. Like it, it's still like seared in my brain that that feeling, that very unsettling feeling that I had. Yeah, very creep, creep. <laughs> yeah, I've never been to. I mean, I've been to San Francisco a lot and and Northern California, and uh, but I've never been to Alcatraz and. Because every time I've been there, it's been like too like busy and too late to do a tour, and they are kind of expensive too. But um, but but prisons in general, like any closed down prison or anything like that, scares me so much because I and I don't see how a prison where so much you know trauma would have happened at. I don't see how those places cannot have some negative energy in them, even if it's not like a ghost, because, you know, there are people who have been left in solitary confinement for months and months and months. And, and, you know, there's people that have been like so many people, there are a lot of people that have been unjustly convicted. There are people who've been murdered in prison. There are people who've been all sorts of stuff. So it's like, you know, to me, it'd be very hard to be in a place like that, I think, for myself. So I've always kind of steered away from that too, because I'm like, I don't know if I want to feel that energy um, in a place like that. Because we have a few of those here in Colorado. We have like a really famous one that you can actually spend the night at, like you can pay to spend. And I'm like, nope, not going to happen. <laughs> you couldn't pay me to do that. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I know. I'm like, no, <laughs> that would be miserable. I'm not doing that. But yeah, so, so, but someday I might go to Alcatraz. I don't know. It's just the smell does not appeal to me when you're talking about that. That does not appeal to me. So I don't like going places where I'm overwhelmed with smells. So yeah. Uh, well, the first place I'm going to mention, I grew up in this area. I still think it's one of the best places in Denver, one of the best areas, one of the best neighborhoods. Well, now it's a lot more, you know, like every place in Denver, like actual Denver city, I live in the suburbs, but in the actual city, everything has been so gentrified here. And then also bought by so many investors. And 
and so many like scraping these beautiful, wonderful, like really old, like 1800 homes, 1800 homes from the 1800s and building those ones that all look the same. And so, so much of that has happened that sadly it's to me ruined some of the specialness of some of these places in, in Denver. And two of the places I'm going to talk about are areas that that's happened to. Um, but the first one here is, is Cheeseman Park. And this is one of the most haunted places in America. And um, because Cheeseman Park is this huge, huge park, uh, there's also the Botanical Gardens is next to there. And people go running in this park. It's a very pretty park. Um, there's also a lot of other stuff that, you know, like that was the place that also a lot of people would go to do like meetups and hookups and stuff too. <laughs> and then drug deals and all this stuff. But it's also a place that people go to get like their prom pictures because there's this really amazing like gazebo and it's just a really pretty park but underneath the trees and everything there and this is real this is not like made up there are several thousand bodies that are buried under this park (laughs) tiff's face so this is the real life that movie we can't mention but i grew up in that kind of thing except for it's not the suburbs um, so, I mean, as far as like, it doesn't, not each house matches some mold kind of thing. Uh, this is city, city, city. Um, but I'll go over a little bit of the history here because this also plays into money, greed, that kind of stuff. Why this all happened? Because of course, that's why this stuff always happens usually. But, you know, more than a hundred thousand people like in, you know, during the gold rush, they, uh, descended on Denver during the first two years. And the graveyard at that time, now known as Jack O'Neill's Ranch, began to fill up with deaths by typhoid, shootings, hangings, and other associated gold rush diseases. By 1890, the city had grown and it was decided it to move the graveyard from downtown and make it a park named after early Denver pioneer Walter Cheeseman. There was just one problem, what to do with the 5,000-plus bodies buried there. And citizens were given, like, several years to remove the remains of loved ones, but most of the people buried there, this is where the money part comes in and the class part, buried were vagrants, criminals, and paupers, and no one claimed them. So people did not, people were like, oh, well, you know, they're they're the, quote-unquote, the less desirable people. So in 1893, the city of Denver awarded a contractor to undertaker E.P. McGovern to remove the other bodies at a cost of $1.90 each. And then the real trouble started. So he was a crook, (laughs) this person. Um, He was also really gross. Uh, He figured out that if he hacked the bodies up, okay, so (laughs) I know, and put them into child-sized pieces and then reburied them in child-sized coffins so he could make more profit. So he made three times the money for every legitimate body he found. So in his haste and not wanting to be discovered, he left body parts and bones strewn everywhere. You will still find, people still find them. Like they were still finding them in the 1960s when work was being done on the park. So yeah. Uh, so it's still, so they're still there. So it's really, so you've got that. And so people have experienced ghosts. There's lots of ghost stories around there, lots of sightings. 
you can do, if you come to Denver, I do recommend doing, there are walking tours you can do of that area because there are also other houses. Like there's a very famous George C. Scott movie about a haunted house that's based on a house that's in that area too. Um, you've also got like the Molly Brown house. You've got other places around that you can do and do walking tours of. And I told, I totally recommend doing one of those. They're awesome. And you get to learn a lot about the history of Denver. And I mean, there are so many old Victorian houses around there and you get to learn the history about all of the, like lots of haunted places and stories. Um, but for me growing up there, when I was five years old, we lived in this this house where it was like divided into two. It was like right across from um, from uh, the botanical gardens. So it was like right across the street from it, literally. And we lived in the upstairs. There was an upstairs apartment and then a downstairs apartment. So this old Victorian was divided into two things. And a lot of the places around there are like that. And we were in the up one, upstairs one, and was like late at night and I woke up and there was a woman like in this long dress standing in the doorway looking at me just staring at me and I woke up yelled I screamed for my mom she came in walked right through the woman and I was just like mom there's a woman right there she's like there's nothing there there's nothing there and you know the woman eventually disappeared but that was one of my first things uh, then we moved a couple of blocks away near another park called Congress, which is a smaller park, but there's still some of the remains because this this cemetery was huge. It was huge. And so some of the remains were not just under the park. They're under in other areas, too. And moved there to a duplex and um, had some other weird stuff happen there. Uh, seeing things, having doors slam by themselves, cold spots, uh, like feeling that, like what you were talking about, Tiff, earlier with that weight and that feeling of pressure, like um, having that waking up and feeling like someone was like on top of you. That happened to my mom a couple of times. All of that kind of stuff. I remember being in the park. This was Congress Park. And we were there, like we used to walk up there because it was right up the street. Like we could go up the alley and be right there and walked up there later in night that day. I think it was like towards right when the streetlights were about to come back on because that's how you knew you had to be home, you know? <laughs> and we were you there. be home before those yep. streetlights come on. Yep. <laughs> yep. So that was around like, you know, six o'clock, yeah, 6.30ish, something, like something yeah. like that. <laughs> Yeah, because it was summertime and we were sitting – they had these stone steps there in Congress Park and we're sitting there and they had these rows of trees. So there were like two different sides and you had this little kind of like alley – not alleyway, but this like patch of grass between that people would run. And we were watching someone run and then he just vanished. So it was like this person just vanished, that kind of stuff. Uh, we also had like creepy experiences that were of the not ghost <laughs> – thing that I won't get into, but like weird people kind of thing. But it just always had this feeling that you were, I don't know, surrounded by a lot of history and a lot of like unsettled feeling. I mean, think about that. You've got all of these remains of people that were human beings and they're being treated so poorly and so horribly. And while I do think that your soul, personally, I think your soul is separate than your body and it can, you know, once you've 
passed on. I think that's a little bit separate. But at the same time, the desecration of someone in the way that this person did that is really gross, disgusting. And it makes me think, yeah, there could be some leftover feelings from that. So yeah. And I think when you are in a place that has decade upon decade, centuries of history, you're going to have a little bit of remnants of that energy from there. But it's, but it's, but honestly, even though that stuff happened, that was one of the best areas to grow up in as a kid, because we like knew each other in the neighborhood. I went to one of the best elementary schools that they turned into condos, but it was like, it was like an old, old school building. That place was haunted too. There was like ghosts up in the attic kind of thing, but it was such a cool school and we would just walk to school together and it was just a great neighborhood to grow up in. Um, it's changed a lot, but it was one of those you had the corner store and the you know corner laundromat that everybody went to, and you had the restaurant that everybody went to, and you know it just had that neighborhood feel to it. And every house was really cool and unique, and they had this one of those old old fashioned uh, fire houses was near where I was. Uh, they turned that into like this huge house. <laughs> it was the coolest fire station too. It was really like kind of like um, not old fashioned, I guess, but I guess that would be the word. Uh, but it was a really cool place to grow up in, even with all the hauntings. It was still like unique and different and it didn't feel like you were in a place where every house was the same as the one next to it kind of thing. So I liked that a lot, but, but yeah, but that's, that's a real one. I'll put a link and if, and you know, I'll put links about Alcatraz too. I'll try to put a bunch of links in with these stories that we're talking about just so that you can look them up and see as well. But once again, if you ever come to Denver, I highly recommend doing those walking tours because it's really, really cool to do and to get that sort of look uh, about the creepy history of uh, Cheeseman and that whole area. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Okay, Tiff, so what do you have next for me? Next on the list is a location, a body of water that I have steered very clear of when I lived in Atlanta when I went to college there. I drove past it many a times, but I did not stop. It's like, okay, there it is, and let's keep it moving. But that is Lake Lanier. Now, for your listeners that are unaware of Lake Lanier, Lake Lanier is a man-made lake, which I have a major issue with man-made lakes. Let's just say that. I think it's unnatural 
It's definitely not natural. I don't want yeah. to see. It's different if you build a pool. That's cool. Yeah, pool. Sure. Why not? Let's do a little, you know, like a little, like a little pond or something in a little, in a little, you know, subdivision. A-okay. Literally damming off a portion of area via eminent domain and flooding multiple cities to create this lake so people can come and enjoy themselves. And let's get into the history of it, though. Lake Lanier is in Forsyth County, Georgia. While Forsyth County is like 98% white, literally to this day, is like 98% white. It has a history of very, very excessively awful racism and violence against Black people. There was a city called, a town called Oscarville, started in late 1800s after, well, during Reconstruction, post-Civil War, bustling little town, you know, Black-made, Black-lived, okay? Well, guess what? KKK comes riding through, destroys the town. What ends up happening is in 1912, this is when the community was destroyed by an angry racist mob. And when 1912, May Crow, a 19-year-old white woman, was found dead in woods near Oscarville, presumably after being raped. And typically the answer to white girls being raped was to drag out black men in, in black communities and start blaming them. When nightfall came, terror began to reign over Oscarville. Mobs came together called Night Riders, and they drove the black community out. They were wakened up by fires outside and firebombs thrown in the church. And of course, the church at that point was centerfold of the community. It's where, you know, you talked politics, you talked religion, you talked education. Everything community-based was housed in the church. It was a symbol of civic and, you know, not just civic duty, but also religious duty and, you know, um, and, and pleasure as well, because, you know, a lot, like a lot of town gatherings happened in the church because a lot of times it was a fellowship hall where you come together and you have dances and teas and all sorts of stuff. Um, what ended up happening though, Oscarville was wiped off the map all, but I think they said, Basically, every black person in Forsyth County, not just Oscarville was wiped off the map. Basically, every black person in Forsyth County was run out, left. Like they either left or they were pushed out um, or, you know, before they were killed. So um, what ended up happening with that land, those people actually still technically own that land, that Oscarville land. It was empty. There was nothing there. There was nothing going on. So the army, uh, the army, U.S. Army Engineer Corps, U.S. Army of Engineer Corps. That sounds right. Let's go with that. <laughs> it might be something different. It might, it's those words. They might be in different, <laughs> it might be in a different, yeah. era, you know, order, but U.S. Army Engineer Corps. 
It goes something like that. Okay. So <laughs> they decide that this, they need to dam the area and they need to build like a national park. So in the late 1950s, the Buford Dam was built and Lake Lanier was formed. It covered up Oscarville and swallowed up its history. And this is from, um, I'm getting this from a, uh, 11alive.com article called, uh, Voices for Equality. And it's by the authors are Latasha Givens, Michaela Richards, and Darius Schneider Bray. And it was published on July 14th of 2022. Just in case anybody wants to take a look at that. So Lake Lanier was officially opened for business in 1959. They've had over 700 deaths on that lake. Over 700. And how long is that? That's a period of 63 years, 64 years now. Yeah, it opened in 1959. So 64 years, 700 plus deaths. That's death by, I mean, and we're talking about some wild stuff. It's not just death by drowning. It's like death by decapitation. People have, you know, like boating accidents where people have been decapitated by boat propellers, um, jet skis and other, you know, stuff have crashed into each other. Uh, of course, you've got the drownings. Somebody, I think people have been electrocuted on the lake. It, it runs. Wow. Yes. Yes. And so people not only say this lake is not only haunted, but they say it's cursed because you had a group of, you know, of white people come in, snatch folks land after decimating a black town, bulldozed it over, and then literally washed it away, washed it away. And we always say that, you know, water has a, um, has a symbol of like a cleansing effect, but in this instance, it definitely did not, you know? So that is, this is ancestral land. And we haven't even gotten to the fact of, you know, of the indigenous people who had that land before that. So, you know, there is no record of, of them at all of who was on that land prior to that. So I'm sure there is a record, but you know what I'm saying? There's no, you know, like what individual individuals own that land or had ties to that land beforehand and moved along or were pushed out. But there's, there's weight to that. There is, there's a lot of anger behind that, behind, you know, not just the, the descendants of those people, but possibly those people themselves. Because like you said, that residual energy, it's got to go somewhere. It's got to go somewhere. And people, people who have survived like near drownings in Lake Lanier, because of course it is a lake. That's the most, that's usually the reason that people die at Lake Lanier is because of drownings. And people that have survived near drownings always say that they feel like they are being pulled down. That something is grabbing their legs and pulling them down toward the bottom of the lake. Considering there's an entire town at the bottom of that lake, so moral of the story is people do not go to Lake Lanier do not get on a boat don't go fishing 
Don't go jet skiing. Don't do any of that stuff. It is so not worth it because that lake is, is a cursed place. It is, it is definitely a cursed place for sure. So you won't see me at Lake Lanier. <laughs> I literally, yeah. and it's in, it's, uh, there's two towns that, um, kind of skirt the lake. It's, uh, Buford and Gainesville. So when I would drive to um, my cousins in North Carolina for like uh, for holidays, because it it's like a four hour drive from Atlanta, you know, I, I mean, I like put the pedals to the metal. I'm like, okay, I see you, but I'm going. <laughs> I have yeah. never, I have never stopped to like enjoy the scenery. Now, I have seen it out of my rearview mirror, <laughs> but that's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't heard I hadn't heard that story at all. So, um, yeah, and also you just wouldn't want to go because of all of the the history and um the racism that that represents that that lake even represents. So you also wouldn't want it because of that too. So, yeah. Uh well, my next one is about a bar in Denver, a bar that I used to go to all the time in my early 20s called High Street. It is located in, um, it's gone by various names, but it is located, sorry, I'm getting the boat. Uh, it's like on the southeast corner of like 39th Avenue and High Street. Uh, you know, it's like between Five Points um, and I-70. And Five Points is another area in Denver that has been so gentrified in the past like decade or so. Um, and I was just recently, like a few years ago, I was near this area and I hadn't been since my early twenties and it had changed so much. I barely recognized it. Cause this was an area that, you know, people be like, you should not go in that area after dark kind of thing. Um, and now it's just very, it's like all built up with all these high rises and, you know, very expensive places. But the high street is still there as far as I know. And if I can find it, I took like a picture and video and stuff when I was <laughs> when I was in that area. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's that place. That's the most haunted place uh, for me personally. This is the scariest place I've ever been in, even though I used to go all the time. It was mainly just the upstairs that was scary. It, I mean, it looks like nothing. It looks like you just like kind of like a dive bar. Uh, they had like pool tables in the back. And it was one of those you go in and you end up knowing everybody that goes there if you're a regular and you know like the bartender. And we would go and we would play like I love playing poker. And I used to play um, Texas Hold'em all the time. And I used to go there and play Texas Hold'em. And it would be after the bar was closed and we weren't supposed to be betting money, but we would. This is a long time ago, everybody. So we would bet money under the table. And I used to love it because I would usually be the only woman playing and it'd be all these men and they'd be like, oh, she's not going to win. And the first time I played, I won. And then like, so <laughs> thank you. It was so exciting. I was like, ha all you men thinking you can beat me. But anyway, that's beside the point. But I loved hanging out in the bar area and the bar area never felt weird or creepy. But when you would go upstairs – uh, there was, uh, there were still like old tubs in there from when there used to be rooms, uh, from what I had heard, it used to be like a brothel, all this kind of stuff way, way back when. And it had such negative energy and you would have people from those television shows that 
Tiff alluded to would come through and have gone through this place. There's a whole Westward article I'll share where a person went through it and it goes hour by hour what they went through. Um, for me, when I went up there, we actually, I used to, like I said, I would hang out here all the time. So I'd gone up to the upstairs quite a few times. And one time there were like orbs everywhere, which sometimes I don't think those are actually real, but we saw them like everywhere. Um, lots of like that heavy energy. And what I felt, you know, there a lot of people talk about a man that is up there that haunts the place, the man that doesn't know he's dead and he thinks everybody else are spirits. To me, the male energy, I felt there was very negative. Like there have been a lot of murders that have taken place in this area um, and in this building. And so to me, it felt more like that kind of energy. And it felt like a person holding all this other, all these other people that he had murdered, like almost like hostage there. But it's creepy because it's like walking into an abandoned house that has been abandoned for decades in the upstairs. And downstairs, you've got this typical bar. And then you upstairs and it's just like all these abandoned, rundown, like there's not really any light up there. You can't have like a flashlight and that's how you're walking. <laughs> I just love Tiff's face while I'm telling this. But I used to go up there all the time. And there was someone that worked there who, when they went down to the basement, which I didn't really go down there, was basically like pushed down the stairs and fell and broke something. I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know if that definitely happened. I do think this place has a lot of negative energy. Um, people have heard like whistling. Sometimes people would look in the upstairs window and see someone or see shadows. And it just, you know, it's it it changed ownership a lot. Like it says in this westward, it boasts a blood-soaked history of <laughs> this building. Uh, there's a bullet hole that you can see two stools down from the end of the bar. And there was like, it was like, it was used as like also during prohibition. Like a lot of people would come in here and it was like used for people during that time to have, to get alcohol during that time. There was a love-related shooting that I guess was depicted on America's Most Wanted that left a corpse in the building's entryway. Um, all these different things that have happened in that area. So there's so many awful tragedies in this building. And it's just thought of as like being one of the most haunted areas in Colorado. And I don't know if it is now thought of that way. I couldn't find any recent stuff. This article I share is from 2003. And that's around the time I used to hang out there was 2003 and 2004, mainly 2004. And it was just I think a lot of people would go there just because of that, and then you'd have the regulars. But it was weird because you would I would never feel negative energy in the actual bar part. I loved hanging out there. But when you'd get to the upstairs, it was a totally different feel. It was like this normal everyday business and bar, and then you go upstairs to this place that has like so much negative energy and run down and you know, so but I'm but I'm sure. I'm sure they kept a lot of that stuff that way because of the fact that they were attracting people due to this, because this was in an area at the time that wasn't, you know, a lot of people didn't go to, it wasn't like downtown, downtown. And so it was like an area that people tried to avoid, you know, after dark, you didn't go there to that area. So I think this helped them with their business. So I'm not positive, like... <laughs> If they kind of, you know, might have 
made it even creepier because they knew they would get people there because of that. But I still felt negative energy there. So, yeah. And we actually, um, I had, we'd filmed like a little short film in that area too. We didn't really pick up anything on film. So I can't tell you if, you know, there was anything picked up on that, but yeah. So once again, that is High Street Bar and Grill. And I'll be putting a link to, or speakeasy, but I'll be putting a link to that in the show notes as well. So, yeah. Okay. So Tiff, we'll do one more round here. So what's your last one you want to, you want to hit me with? Okay. Let's go to what some people say is the most haunted place in the U.S. And that is Nolens, Louisiana and Congo Square. Now, the history of Congo Square, which is on Rampart Street in Louis Armstrong Park, in the heart of the city, is that in 1817, the mayor of New Orleans decreed that enslaved black people, as well as free people of color, could only congregate in this back town, back part of town, on Sundays. That was it. That was for them. That was where they could hang out, fellowship, sell their goods, sell their wares, you know, make connections, that sort of thing. Sundays, only in this part of, only in that part of the city. That's it. Even if you were a free person of color, which New Orleans had a very large population of um, free people of color, they called them the Jeanne de Color Libre the free people of color. I said that with the Spanish accent. Sorry, I took Spanish. I didn't take French. Um, So I did a bunch of walking tours when I was in New Orleans, the last time I was there. Um, That's honestly the best way to see the city. It's, I do not recommend going in the summertime because it is like 125% humidity while it is like 95 degrees. So don't recommend that, but it is very nice in the fall and in the winter. So if you go, you know, if you have a chance to do that, I'd say go there because it's the temperatures are pretty mild actually, uh, especially in the fall. It's probably like in the mid to upper 70s. So really nice to get out there, just take a walk. And uh, the beauty of New Orleans, you can walk around with alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody stops you. <laughs> and you're walking it all off. So that means you can drink more. (laughs) And the food. And the food. And the food. Let's not forget the food. Um, The last time I was there, it was my, um, I was with my, was with my sister and my parents and uh, husband and my niece. And we had, um, my sister and I decided that, look, we were here for like five days the goal is to try, is to try every gumbo place that we can. Let's let's see what the people say. Let's ask the people, ask the locals, where's the best gumbo? Where would you send us to go to the best gumbo? And so we would go to where they told us to go to taste test the gumbos. So like I ate so much gumbo. Oh my gosh. I was just like, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to turn into gumbo in a minute. And <laughs> I actually... The, we and we ranked them like we were right. We were right. We had a, we had a chart <laughs> like where we would. That's awesome. Yes, where we wrote down like, okay, this is the restaurant or this is the you know the deli or whatever. Here's the location. 
Um, and then out of five stars, what we gave gumbo. And then, you know, we'd write like a little notes in the margins, like way too spicy or not enough flavor, you know, that sort of thing. So, <laughs> so the best one that we had, you're going to laugh yourself off. You'll laugh your head off. We went to the garden district because somebody told us about this little grocery store that had like a deli, little deli restaurant in the back area. So hopped on the trolley on the streetcar, went to this little deli area, this little grocery store. It's very unassuming, right? I don't even know if this place is still there. Super duper unassuming and everything like that. Teeny tiny, like almost like, like a bodega feel to it. Like if you were in New York and it's like a Southern bodega. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we go to the back and you start smelling these wonderful smells. The smells are just assaulting you with all of their goodness, right? And the person that owns that little deli slash, you know, counter, you know, kitchen counter, yeah. this little Chinese woman, <laughs> this little <laughs> teeny tiny Chinese woman, she made the best gumbo that we had in New Orleans. Little teeny tiny Chinese wow. woman. <laughs> In the Garden District in New Orleans. That was our favorite gumbo spot. That was our favorite. And I completely got off on a tangent. So back to Congress. (laughs) (laughs) So Congo Square, it doesn't have like an inherently... uh, The negative connotation with the square is that obviously, you know, the people being forced... Uh, an already marginalized group and a slave group being forced to only congregate in this one spot on this one particular day, but being, you know, what and who they were, were able to make the best of an absolutely hard situation, you know, both socially, civically, personally, emotionally, psychologically, you know, they were able to make that their take it and make it their own. So, there's not a heavy, there's not a super duper heavy feeling when you go there. It's actually like almost like you feel like you can sense just this energy to the place, almost an excitement to the place. Because see, this would be the thing that people that if you were enslaved, you would look forward to at the end of your enslavement week is that would be that one thing. It's like, okay, I can, I'm going to go to, I have my day of rest. I can, you know, rest. I can go to my, I can go to a church service. I can hear, you know, the preacher in the woods or whatever. And then I can go to Congo Square to see my friends, to fellowship, to, you know, spend some coin if I have it. And so when you walk, you feel that energy. You feel that residual energy. You don't feel like necessarily, I don't feel, I didn't feel like a heaviness upon me. It's almost like I felt kind of booby by it. I felt mm-hmm. like this was a place of as much as you can have it, a place of joy as opposed to a place of despair. And there's a difference because I've walked past like the um I've walked past like the uh on a plantation, I've walked past like where the enslaved quarters were. And that is a that's an energy that I don't like anybody to feel like no like I, I couldn't 
like almost, I mean, I literally almost burst into tears. Like, I mean, seriously, like how people actually how how somebody like has weddings. What? Like, are you insane? Are you like, are you, are you literally insane? Looking at you, um, Ryan something and Blake something. Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. And Blake. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, are you, are you actually insane? Because it's just, I mean, I'm literally, literally, I almost burst into tears. It was at a um, uh, plantation in South Carolina. It, it, it's been, it's, and it's not like, oh, like the Myrtles in in Louisiana. It's not like that where it's been restored and everything. This one was like a crumbling mess. You know, it, it has gone into disrepair. It has not been. So it's like, this is how it ended and this is how it is. And ugh. I almost felt like I was having a heart attack when I walked back the, when I walked by there. But Congo Square is something different. Like I said, you feel like almost you, you feel you feel that sizzle like under your skin a little bit. Like this is some place that you would want to be because this would be a place of almost like of enjoyment, of of entertainment, of fun. As much fun as you could have, you know, being enslaved or being you know, a free person of color at that point in time, even though free people of color had a lot of, um, of liberties that they could take, but they were still, I mean, they were still a, very much a marginalized people, very much, I wouldn't even say second class citizens. I would say skirting that third class citizen line because even like white immigrants who came, who had just come off the boat would have more power overall than free people of color in New Orleans. So yeah, but Congo Square, that's another one. Energy. <laughs> and also that recommendation on the the place to get, which which, you know, honestly, when you're looking for really good food in a place, that actually a lot of times you'll find some of the best food is in a place that you would never expect to find it so yeah yeah and and about that you know (laughs) you have to also really question yourself if you're going to get married on a place in a place that is the home of so much unbelievable gross disgusting and racism and everything like that and so much death and horrendous stuff if you're going to do that I question you why you would want to do that. Not just your sanity, but why you would want to do that. So, yeah. Yeah. And I actually have never been to New Orleans. I've always wanted to go. Like, that's where I wanted to go for my 40th birthday and it just didn't happen. But I've always wanted to go. But luckily, see, November, that so that would be good weather to go then. Right? Heck yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. No, that's that's the time to go. So, I mean, legitimately, that's the yeah. time to go. Honestly, I don't even know if you, I mean, you could take like a little, like a lightweight sweater and you'd be fine. Like, I mean, and that's really because you go into a restaurant and they have the air conditioning on. (laughs) But it's it's so, yeah, it's so pleasant and it's so pleasant in the fall. Like it's, it's, the summer is miserable. It's miserable. The summer, yeah, the summer is, there are certain spots that I just refuse to go in the summer. I will not go back to Florida in the summer. Um, sorry, children, we're not going to Disney World. 
We're just not doing it in the summertime. We will figure it out. <laughs> but I will not go to Florida in the summertime. I will not go to Texas. <laughs> I will not go to I will not go to New Orleans. And I'm pretty much not gonna go to Georgia either. Let's just say the southeast <laughs> as a whole. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna go. I have enough heat at home, like from late July all the way through, I mean, even October, like today, it's 86 degrees. Ugh, yuck. Yuck. <laughs> yuck. It's supposed to be sweater weather, and I don't have sweaters out right now. I have t-shirts out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, thank you. But but I and I also just really want to go to New Orleans for, I want to go for the music, and I want to go for the food. Absolutely. Big time for the food. So Absolutely. Because... Because I'm sure the food that I have had is nothing compared to actually the food there in New Orleans, I'm sure. You have to have the authentic New Orleans. You have to have it. And that means yeah. that means having the po' boys. That means having the gumbo, having the etouffee, having the um, go ahead and get some of the beignets. Uh, just don't go. Yeah. I mean, Cafe Du Monde is nice and their beignets are good. There's other places that have it. <laughs> yeah yeah i have to go maybe one of these birthdays i'll do it maybe for my 50th birthday i'll go to new orleans yeah yeah that'd be yeah. fun that's long time that's a away. long time away <laughs> we're yeah. talking i mean we're talking yeah. like decades away. yes decades and de i'm in my late 20s what are you talking about <laughs> Both did twenty. We are we are spry youth. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, well, the last place I'm going to mention, and I know all the places I mentioned are all in Colorado, but <laughs> we have a lot of these here. Um, this one is one that I and I, I know I've probably driven on it before. I visited it a few years ago, but there's one of the most haunted roads in the U.S. And I didn't have anything happen here, so I don't have any cool stories to share. I just am noting this and it's Riverdale road and it's like a winding 11 mile, 11 mile road that connects Brighton and Thornton. So it's up North. It's North of Denver. Um, and I, I think, you know what, what I think the thing is with this and this plays in again to the fact that there is so many new houses and new builds and everything in Colorado. It's just, so I don't, so when we went on this road a few years ago, I'm like, you'd go like, there might be little places where there weren't houses, but there were houses everywhere. So it's like, okay, it's just a winding road and nothing really happened. But this is one of those that supposedly there is a woman that you will spot. Like it's one of those lady in white stories, you know, and you spot this woman in white and people pull over. People are supposedly have seen orbs. They're supposed to be the gates to hell <laughs> along this road, like in a park. All of this weird stuff supposedly happens there. Like I said, we drove up and down this road. We took pictures in this park area that's near where that gate to hell is supposed to be. And had nothing happen, no experiences, didn't even feel weird, didn't even have a weird feeling, just felt more like, man, there's going to be a point really soon where there's not going to be a single part of Colorado that isn't built up, especially on the I-25 corridor, which is, you know, 
basically from Wyoming all the way to New Mexico. So there's just not going to be a point. And it's so sad to me because I think what happened is, this is another tangent here, but it just going to this place reminded me of that is this was supposed to be a place where like, because there was just like farms out there or not as much there. And now there is, uh, and now it's like that kind of, I think takes away from any of that weird haunty feeling. Um, but what happened is first of all, marijuana became legal. And I do think that's a big reason a lot of people moved here. And second off though, I think is that you know, investors. And that's what a lot of that's people are most of the reason it's so hard to buy a house in Colorado and it's so expensive is because there are so many out of state and out of country investors that have bought places and just rent them out. And, you know, that kind of thing. Flipping, you don't see as much anymore because everything's been flipped already, which is when people buy a house, they remodel it and then they sell it for a lot of money. Uh, But, and then also, People used to think of Colorado as like the only thing you did here was you skied and you had cowboys and that's it. And we were able to keep it secret that that's not the case. And we were also able to keep it secret that we have like over 300 days of sunshine a year and the weather is actually fantastic here. And that was a secret for a long time and now it no longer is. So everybody's moved here. And so people that are from here, a lot of people have left. Um you know, so anyway, that was a total tangent, but it just kind of played into the fact that going on this road and then realizing, wait, this is just like driving through like a suburb street at night kind of thing and nothing much is happening. And it just kind of makes me sad. But anyway, but I have not seen anything when we went there. It's also, it's home to Joggers Hill. It's also called Joggers Hill, where the ghost of a murdered jogger is rumored to follow cars and tap on their sides. We didn't have that happen. So, um, yeah, and lots of like other urban legends there that you can see. And I'll link an article for this one too. But once again, had nothing happened there. The other two I did have personal experiences. This one, not so much. So, yep. Well, this was a lot of fun. I know there are hundreds and thousands of places we did not mention. <laughs> so, if there is a place that you love, please let us know. And we might, when we're back in November, we might go ahead and give that a shout out. But we're going to go ahead and close out this episode and close out this year's horror month with Tiff letting everybody know where she can be found. And she's still working on her screams, but where can you be found? Still working on my screams. I'm <laughs> moving from blood curdling on to a throaty horror filled gurgle sound. So it's a work in progress. (laughs) I'll let you know how it's going when we get back in November, you know, just to keep you all up to date. Um, I've expected (laughs) that I will be an expert by next season's thrills and shows. So yeah, so I'm, I'm happy with my progress so far, but you know, look me up. I'm at who's tip is me. Um, I'm private on the gram, but if you look like you're actually a person and not a headless torso, I probably will accept <laughs> your friend request. We'll see. Uh, I'm also on that thing that is now just a letter and it's no longer called Twitter. Um, also at who is tip is me, you know, I mean, reach out. Who knows? I could answer it. Maybe. But, you know, most of the time I'm on my discord with, you know, my sexy ladies because <laughs> What do you think we're doing? We're saxing it up, people. 
So get your minds out of the gutter. We all have sex. Yeah, I know what I'm saying. <laughs> I know, I'm like, um, not that kind of saxing it up. <laughs> I meant with our saxophones to all your listeners. They know what I was talking about. Yes. Uh, awesome. Well, you don't want to follow me because, well, I'm like Tiff. I'm private on Instagram and then on Twitter, I'm hardly ever active on there. So it's really boring. Uh, but you do want to follow Fergie because she's a cute, cute dog. So follow her on TikTok at Schroeder and Fergs. That's S-C-H-R-O-E-D-E-R-A-N-D-F-E-R-G-S. It is long, but it is worth it. Make sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one on Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod on TikTok at it's a fandom thing pod. If you have any feedback show notes, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on the show, please feel free to reach out to us via our website. It's a fandom thing Click the contact us button there and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. And while you're there, consider becoming a Patreon supporter today for as little as three bucks a month. You get bonus content. You get ad-free episodes. You just get a ton of, ton of great, great, wonderful things. So consider becoming a Patreon supporter today. Click the support us tab on our website or go to the link in the show notes. And next week, I am going to be out of the country. So I'm going to be in the country. I am going to be, as everybody should know by now, because I can't stop talking about it, but I'm going to be in Ireland. So next week, next Friday, we are going to have just one episode next week, and it's just going to be bloopers. So I have a huge thing of bloopers. Uh, Patreon supporters got a sneak peek at some of them like months ago, but this it's there's a lot more added to it. Lots of intro bloopers, lots of noise bloopers, lots of tangents that I just didn't put in there. It's just going to be a ton of fun. It should be a pretty, actually pretty long, not like long, long, but over 30 minutes for sure. So that'll be on that Friday, the, uh, sorry, I'm trying to think what Friday, Friday, the 27th of October. (laughs) Thank you. I'm like counting on my fingers. Oh, that's sad. And then the following week, the week of Halloween, we are going to have no episodes. So there will be no new episodes that week. So just, you know, one week a year, we usually don't have episodes. But we will be returning in November with my birthday month. And this month, I thought I was hopeful the saga after strikes were going to end. And I had I added something to the very end of the month that we probably won't be able to talk about. But we are going to be talking about, for sure, we're going to be talking about the Violent Femmes, that's how we're kicking it off. And then we're going to be talking about New Order. And both of those episodes, it's going to be Danelle and I. So, And Danelle was last on, I believe, for Nine Inch Nails or for Trent Reznor, excuse me. So we'll be talking about music. And then I'm not sure the last one might be another music episode. Not positive. And I'm not sure yet what we're doing for December because, once again, it depends on the strikes. And it looks like the strikes will probably not be ending this year. So, sadly... <laughs> We will probably have to retool some things again. I don't know what will happen for January for Christian Effing Bale month. Uh, Although he's done a lot of independent movies, so we might just do very indie. Just go. I mean, you're going to just have to do a deep dive. Like, these are going to be the deep cuts. The deepest cuts, (laughs) y'all. Yes. Yes. (laughs) You never know what you're able to find. You never never know what you can turn up. Some true gems out there, so... (laughs) 
Yes, yes. And we have to have, I mean, I've missed quote unquote Christian so much. I know. know? We've got to have, you know, as if for people who may not know, the amazing Carla, it's the whole reason we have Christian effing bail month is because Carla and I were recording an episode talking about a television show that I can't mention. Um, Starts with a G, ends with an S. (laughs) I guess that could be a a lot. (laughs) I know. But it was a few, it was a, it was back in like 2021, I want to say. And uh, we were talking about that and then we were going to be covering, uh, I I feel, uh, well, it is indie. I've mentioned it before, but we were talking about the Patrick Bateman movie. I'll just say that. And how we excited we were to record that. And we did a whole like Christian Bale tangent that lasted for over like a half an hour. Most of it was cut from the episode. And that's how Christian effing Bale became our unofficial mascot. And then on that episode, Carla did her spot on impersonation of Christian. So every year in January, we celebrate Christian Bale and we talk about his movies and quote unquote Christian Carla will make an appearance. So yeah, and go back, listen to those, listen to uh Christian's appearance. You can go to our TikTok, you can see a bit of Christian Bale's audition for the for John Bon Jovi. <laughs> it's really hilarious. So um, so I'll see. Well, I mean, he's been, like I said, in indie films. So I'm sure we can find some that we'll actually be able to cover. But once again, other things could change. So we'll see. So, you know, I know it's hard, everybody, but union strong and hopefully, hopefully it'll be resolved soon. So thank you so much. Yes. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and stop Asian hate. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.